Thanks for listening to the weekly Overflow Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this sermon by Jesse Cup. For more information, visit overflowindy.com or visit us on Facebook at Overflow Indy. How about we dive into the goodness of God? We're already in it. You guys are already swimming in it. Did you guys know that God looks at you intently? He, he, he's perceiving you. He's staring at you. He's thinking about you. He's thinking about you solely. Like I know there's like seven plus billion people in this world. So sometimes we have this tendency to think that God's out there and he has this bird's eye view. And he's like, I love all y'all but kind of like all y'all, and he doesn't see you. No, he's actually, he's way better than that, way bigger than that. He knows you. He hones in on you. And, and like he's given you as a single individual person his undivided attention. And his thoughts towards you are as many as the, as the specks of sand on the beach. That's what it says. In, in Psalms, David was praying that, crying out to the Lord. And, and it says that his thoughts towards you are good. Whoa. Really? Yes. Really. The Bible said it, and I believe that book. All right? Last week, <laughs> last week, um, I preached a pretty amazing message. <laughs> I did. Some people who don't know me might think that was an arrogant thing to say, but it had nothing to do with me. It had nothing to do with my delivery. I, I could care less. It was an amazing message, not because of the person who gave it, but because of the content. That's the scripture. So Jesus is actually the best preacher, right? And, and I, was, I was just regurgitating Jesus' words. Actually, that wasn't regurgitation. That's disgusting. I was, I, was, I was breathing out to you the words of God. And so uh, we, we dove into the story of the prodigal son. And that's in Luke chapter 15, verses 11 through 32. And it is a powerful, powerful story. I think that most people know that story. But when you start perceiving that story deeper through the lens of a good father, you start finding that there's more heart in it because most people read that story and they think it's the parable of the prodigal son but really it's an it's a beautiful painting of the extravagant father all right if if you think it's about the prodigal son you're actually going to miss what really is going on in there because it's about the extravagant father okay and so I'm not going to spend my whole time this morning talking about that parable, but I want to I just kind of touch on it for a moment, just to kind of recalibrate us to that. <clears throat> um, the, the story is about, about his youngest son who asked for his inheritance, which you're not supposed to actually get until the parent dies, but he's like, hey, I want my inheritance right now. Basically saying, I don't necessarily need to consider you as an, as an alive father to me anymore. I want my money. I don't care what you think about it. I don't, I don't need your advice on what to do with it. Just let me have what's mine, 
and let me do what I want to do. And, and he went as far away from his home as he could. And he squandered it, and he started living a life of self-indulgence, and, and he just got into sin, and he was with prostitutes, and he was probably drinking and just doing the party life. And so he woke up one day in the pit because he, he squandered everything, had nothing, didn't even have food to eat. And he's like, I remember where I came from, that even the servants, even my father's servants had plenty of food. It said that they have food enough, but the Greek word, when it says food enough, it actually means, and I forgot the word in Greek, but it means lavish, bounty, abundance, all right? That the servants in the Father's house have lavish abundance of food, and not just enough for them, but enough to share with others, all right? Now, it wouldn't be typical, probably in, in those cultures, for servants to have plenty enough to share they probably just had barely enough to get by, but no, in this house, it's lavish and it's overflow. Amen? He's like, man, if I can, if I can just go back and be just a servant. And so he, he crafts this story in his mind. I'm going to repent. I'm going to go back home. I'm going to confess my sins, and I'm going to acknowledge I'm not worthy to be your son anymore. As a matter of fact, if you could just please make me one of your servants, that'll be good. And so he goes back. And, and he goes back, uh, he knew all the things that was wrong with himself, okay? He went back to his father's house, and he, he came knowing everything about him was not okay. So he's going to be pleading with mercy. And so he, he, he went back knowing that he abandoned his family. He went back knowing that he disowned his father, that he carried an independent spirit that he was a self-indulgent, greedy person, that he was a sexual adulterer, that he was living a party life, that he was selfish and foolish and a squanderer, and now he had nothing to show for himself. Pretty shameful, okay? And, and he knew that he, he believed that he was unworthy to be called a son anymore. So he went back to his father in repentance. He returned back to the place he came from in repentance, laying it all out. I know that I'm a scumbag, basically, okay? I know, I know that I've, I've sunk to the deepest, rockiest bottom. I need you to have mercy on me. I'm not worthy to be called your son. And before he could get it out of his mouth saying, make me your servant, the father interrupted him. Right after he said, I'm not worthy to be your son, he said, servant, not talking to him, Fetching a servant, servant, get me my best robe and get me a ring and sandals and put them all on him and get the fattened calf. We're going to have a, the biggest party you've ever seen. Come on. Isn't that awesome? So the son had repentance. He, his repentance looked like returning home. Okay, getting, going back to the place that he abandoned. His repentance looked like acknowledging and confessing his sins. These are important things. It, it included surrendering everything that he had. Okay? He surrendered it all. And, and then submitting his life to his father again. Submitting himself to his father again. That's repentance. And that's, that's what repentance should look like. Amen? All right, but then he, but the problem is that he perceived his repentance from an orphan spirit 
because he thought that repentance and doing those things that were the right thing to do, that he also needed to present himself as a sinner saved by grace. Because he wanted to present himself and say, I don't, I don't belong in your family as a son anymore. I'll just be a servant. All right? So, but his father saw him from the first moment that he turned his face back to him and started running home. His father saw him and he ran out to him with no delay. He didn't want to make him wait it out to see if he, to see if he deserves his father receiving him in. He ran to him right the moment that he turned back to him. Come on. It's a good father. It's a good father. And he embraced his son. He hugged him and he kissed his neck. Come on. It's a good father. He loved his son. He did not look at his son's sins or his betrayal. He didn't even pay that one lick of attention. He looked at his son and he didn't see sins. He saw son. Okay? He ignored sin and he looked at son. All right? Not sin. Son. Everybody say, not sin. Not son. son. Come on. He fully accepted his son just like he was. Come on. That doesn't mean that he accepted his, sin, his son's sins. He accepted his son despite his sins. All right? But he didn't just accept him as he was because he didn't leave him like he was. As a matter of fact, he accepted him like he was, and then he brought radical transformation to his son. Amen? So instead of saying, all right, you repented good enough. Thank you, son. Thank you for coming back. I won't receive you as a son. I'll just receive you as a servant, which is what religion tries to tell us that we do. Okay? He didn't say that. As a matter of fact, he didn't even let him say the word servant over himself for a split second. He interrupted him, cut him off, and said, you think you're not a son? I'm going to show you what I think of you. We're slapping my best royal robe on you right now. And we're putting the ring on your hand right now. And we're putting sandals on those feet right now. You, you thought you're the, you're the bottom of the barrel, the dregs. You thought you came from the rock bottom and are full of filth, and you return to me, and I see you as my royal beloved son. Come on. He put his royalty on him. He, co he put covering over him. He covered him with protection and with goodness and with lavishness and extravagance. In a split moment of acceptance, he turned him from an orphan into a royal son. Come on. From pauper to prince. Amen? He put his robe on him. That's covering. That's that's royalty, all right? He put a ring on him, which isn't just a ring. It actually would have the, the family name in the ring. It was a royal signet ring that bears the name of the family. So he, the, the son who thought he only deserved to be a servant, no, he said, no, 
I put my name on you. You bear my name. I want everybody to know you're my son. I, want every, I don't care what you did or where you came from. I want everybody to know who you are to me. You are my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. I'm proud of you, and I celebrate you, and I'll tell the whole world about you. Come on. And not only that, you don't just have my name, but you have the authority with my name too. Because now you get to show this ring and any of, any of my business transactions, you're, you are standing in my place now. You, are, you have the same authority I have. When people see you, they're looking at me. Here's the ring. I put you back in control of family affairs again with me, in partnership with me. Come on. It's authority. It's domain. It's freedom. It gives you access. It gives you provision. It gives you all kinds of opportunities. Amen? So he went from being uh, an orphan to a royal son. Wow. That's amazing. Everybody say this. I used to be an orphan. But the Father brought me in. He loves me. He met me the moment I turned my face to him. He didn't judge me. He embraced me. He kissed me. I thought I wasn't worthy. But he said, servant, get the robe. And he put the robe on me. A robe of royalty. And my father's covering. And he put a ring on me. It's not just a ring. It's the family name. It's got authority and access. Come on. I'm not an orphan. I'm a child of the Most High God. I'm not just an average citizen. I'm royalty. I'm a child of the King of Kings. Come on. That's amazing. And they, they, they threw the big party for him to celebrate him. And, and he says, my son was dead, but now he's alive. <laughs> my son was dead, but now he's alive. We've been talking a lot about us dying on the cross with Jesus Christ, being crucified with Christ. The old sinful nature, the, the old body of sin was, died with Jesus and was buried with Jesus through baptism. Romans 6. But, but the, and, and in the likeness of His death, we died. And, but it says in the likeness of His resurrection, we now live. Come on. And it goes on later in Romans 6, and it says that we need to reckon ourselves. Reckon. I need to reckon myself. That means I'm going to choose to believe this thing that might not be coming so naturally to me. I'm going to renew my mind. I'm going to hone my focus in. I'm going to make myself believe this thing that I might not have been believing about me. Reckon yourself to be dead to sin. Whoa. But I remember the last time I sinned, and it wasn't long ago. Oh. So are you going to reckon yourself a sinner? 
Or are you going to reckon yourself to be dead to sin? Are you going to reckon yourself to be under the influence of your own abilities? Or are you going to surrender yourself to the cross, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ? Are you going to do this thing on your own strength? Or are you going to enter into Christ and let Him be the life inside of you? Because Paul said, I've been crucified with Christ. And the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God. He said, it's no longer I who live, it's Christ who lives in me. Come on. And you get to reckon yourself according to your behaviors, which is what most people do. Or you can reckon yourself to be the very thing that Jesus paid a high price to see you as. You can do it your way, or you can yield to His way, which only can come through believing you, you receive it as a free gift that you didn't earn or deserve. Let, letting Him re- bestow Himself upon you. Imparting to you something you didn't do yourself. Imparting resurrection life. Come on. By faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. If you believe, if you believe, if you believe. It's all through it. It's all through it. You read Romans, you're going to see all the different times. If you pay attention, it says by faith or in believing. And it says that you can't get this on your own. You don't get to earn it. You don't get to strive hard enough. But you can surely receive it with thanksgiving. Who would be thankful that God would put... His unmeasurable righteousness on you, not because you deserved it, because He just loved you that much to give it to you. Who would be thankful for that? He did. He did. And so you get to determine, how are you going to reckon yourself? How are you going to reckon your, How are you going to believe about who you are? And then it says, after that, after in Romans 6, it says, reckon yourself to be dead to sin and alive to God. you got to choose to believe, I died to the sin. Even, even though I sinned yesterday, God, I did, I did ask you to forgive me. I did ask you to, to cleanse me in the blood of Jesus, and I meant it. He did it. And he says that he, he washes that stuff away. He, he cleanses our sins and makes it non-existent. So who are we going to believe Yesterday or Jesus? Amen? Amen. And so, reckon yourself. Do do you want to believe your behaviors or do you want to believe that God sees you as greater than you function from? Because God's actually trying to help us to elevate our self-view, not in and of me, but in and of Christ in me. And the more I can capture the reality of what he is, what he's done, and who he's put in me himself, I can actually enter into a much higher place of living than the one I do on my own strength. Who wants to live from that? Reckon yourself. Reckon yourself to be dead to sin and alive to Christ. Reckon yourself to have actually literally, truly died to the sinful nature to where it actually is, is actually dead. It had his funeral. It didn't get resurrected. But you got resurrected in Jesus Christ, a new creation. A son or a daughter of the Most High God. New creation. All old things passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Reckon yourself. 
You gotta believe it. You gotta, you gotta force your belief systems to embrace truth that outdoes your experiences. Come on. This is powerful stuff. Reckon yourself to be dead to sin, alive to God. And then it goes on in Romans 6. After that, like two verses later, it goes further and it says, present yourself alive to God. Don't just reckon yourself because that's a self-belief. Now you got to present yourself. That means you got to engage with a behavior, with not just a belief, but an action. I have to present myself. Now I got to carry myself. I got to start acting and believing and behaving from what I believe about me. Now I present myself as someone who's actually literally living in the resurrection and the glory of Jesus Christ. If we present ourselves, but we didn't reckon ourselves, we're fooling ourselves and everybody else. A lot of people are trying to present themselves, which is putting on a, a fake outward thing. But you got to reckon yourself first because it starts from the inside out. Okay, you got to believe it, and then you got to act it out. So when it says present yourself to God as having resurrected from the dead, guess what? Like God actually literally is sitting on his throne waiting for his children to present themselves to him as people who have been resurrected from the dead, 100% detached from the world and sinfulness. And he's not waiting for you to, to do better with life in order to deserve that standing. He's waiting for you to believe it, that he already gave it to you. He's already done it. It's already your identity in Christ. It's your starting point in God, not your arrival point. Present yourself. Present yourself as one who agrees with who God already knows that you already were the moment you got born again. This stuff makes me come alive. Present yourself. You got to reckon yourself. You got to present yourself, okay? But now, now we got to look at the prodigal story and the extravagant father because the father didn't just accept his son back and forgave him. He, did, he said, My son was dead and now he's alive. He's declaring over him, I'm reckoning my son having died to all that stuff that he came here full of shame for. He just died from it right now. It's gone. I, I reckon him dead to all the sins. But now he's alive to me. Hallelujah. And now his son had to make that decision to, to agree with his father. No longer could he carry on calling himself a servant. He had to receive his sonship. He had to agree with his father. He had to actually wear that robe and wear it with confidence. He had to wear that ring and wear it with confidence, not as an imposter, not as somebody who, who's looking in from the outside thinking, I want that, but I don't deserve it. Not all, now he's putting it on me. He doesn't know who I am. Now I'm an imposter wearing a robe and a ring, and I don't deserve it. That, that's not going to work. All right? He put it on you. 
because he knows what he made you. He knows what he made you way before you ever did or will know who he made you. And he's not waiting for you to believe it, for him to deem you as such. He already knows you as his royal heir. He, and as a matter of fact, he already extends his heart towards you as his royal son or daughter. He already presents you to all of heaven as his royal son or daughter. Even if you don't know that you're rightfully wearing those robes. Anybody doing okay in here? <laughs> he put his royalty on you. He loves you accordingly. He affirms you accordingly. He judges you in the good sense of that word, accordingly. His judgment towards you is not for all the things you are ashamed of. His judgment towards you is I judge you as my royal child. Come on. It's a good judgment. Royalty. Everybody say, I am royalty. I might not feel like it, but I'm royalty. I may not understand it yet, but God knows who I am, and he wants me to agree with him, and I'm going to learn how to agree with him. That's a good word, y'all. Back in 2011 or 12, I can't remember, I, was, I, th I think I was still interning, oh no, it's 2013. I, I was done interning with Steve Backland, but I was still, you know, we were, we were growing our relationship, and I got to go on a ministry trip with him with a few other people, and we went to Bishop, California. Steve was ministering in a church there, and my friend Matt Coyle was on this trip, and there's an afternoon session where Steve was taking the senior leaders of that region into a different room to have a luncheon, and the rest of us, you know, the non-senior leaders, <laughs> the, yeah, the, anyway, <laughs> the, the cool stuff's going on over there. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's how people can act sometime when we don't know what our royalty is, amen? <laughs> that was a nugget that nobody caught. <clears throat> You did? Oh. Catch them. Nuggets. All right. What? Get your baseball mitt, man. <clears throat> anyway, during this session with the non-senior leaders, <laughs> Matt Coyle was leading the time, and he, he took a time after his message to, to lead us all into an encounter. And they turned the lights down, played some soaking music, and he starts taking us on this adventure in the spirit with God. And it eventually got to the place where he told us um, to ask Papa, you know, the Father. You call him Papa if you want. Or whatever your most 
special term of endearment is, that one. You probably should call him that one. If it's daddy, that's who he is. All right? A lot of people like to say, dear father in heaven. <laughs> if, if that feels like a term of endearment, I guess go with that too. But he, he wants to feel like he's actually your daddy, okay? So, but Matt, Matt said, he, he wanted us to ask Papa God, what do you want to give to me? What do you want to give to me right now? Did you guys know that God loves to give good gifts to his children? Amen. Amen. And so I asked him, and, and the father leaned down to me, and, and he held out his hands to me, and he handed over to me a, a hand of cards, playing cards. I took him out of his hand, and I looked at him, and there was, a, there was an ace of hearts, there was a king of hearts, a queen of hearts, a jack of hearts, and a ten of hearts. What's that called? He gave me the royal flush, all right? And I was looking at this thing, and the royal flush in poker is the top most powerful hand you can get. It trumps anything else, all right? I got the royal, the father gave me the most trumping hand you could get. Isn't that awesome? It's like, what is he trying to tell me right now? He's given me the most trumping hand you can get, and it's the hearts, right? It's the royal flush. <clears throat> I, I thought that was amazing. <clears throat> I'm sitting there looking at him. I know God's going to reveal something to me. What are you going to reveal, Father? And then, and then Matt had us ask the Father, what does God want to say to you about what he gave to you? And I'm looking at it. This is amazing. What, what are we going to dominate right now? <clears throat> And then all of a sudden, I started seeing pictures of things flashing through my mind. I'm holding this, right? But he and then he starts taking me to this other place. Starts seeing these pictures of things flashing through my mind. But it was things that I was very ashamed of. Like, God, why? Why are you wanting to show me the things I'm ashamed of right now? And he reminded me of <clears throat> the, day, the day before I left on this trip. Jessica and I got in a big argument that never got resolved yet, and so I was carrying shame into that trip, and that's, no, that's not a fun way to go into a ministry trip, okay? I, and I remembered that. He showed me this, like the, the, the thing I did and my attitude towards Jessica and, and the shame that I felt. I'm like sitting there holding this thing, like, why are you, this was amazing. Why are you showing me that junk? And then he starts showing me other stuff. Other things I was ashamed of, criticism that I had towards people or jealousy I felt towards other people that were getting opportunities that I thought I wanted, but I wasn't getting and they were. Probably even jealous that they had the senior leaders over there and we were over here, all right? But he's just reminding me of all this stuff, the ways I've compared myself to other people and, and either I would compare myself in ways that makes me feel like I'm better than them and so, so I'm sizing people up or, or comparing myself with other people who I think maybe they're better than me. And I, so I feel less than them, all these different things. And, and I'm thinking through all the stuff that I was ashamed of. And the Lord showed me 
these cards and he said, Jesse, those things that you're, that you're feeling and thinking about, about yourself, do not line up with royalty. He said, those things, are, they, they are not part of royalty. They're outside of royalty. But I know who you are. I gave you the royal flush because I know who you are. And he said, those things that you're carrying that you're not ashamed of are not who you are. And then he took all that stuff over to a toilet, and he threw it down and flushed it, and he said, this is a royal flush. <laughs> so he flushed down the toilet all the things that I was carrying on myself that was not who God saw me as. Come on. Isn't that amazing? The royal flush, what better thing could I get than that? <clears throat> and when I saw him flush it down, I started laughing. And I started dying laughing. I was belly laughing so hard I couldn't even quit it. And I mean, I'm in a room full of strangers, right? On the floor. And, and I'm disrupting everything. I'm just rolling, laughing. Other people start laughing too. Some people need to laugh more, you know? But God is doing a work in my heart through the laughter because every time he showed me something, he's flushing. I started laughing and the, the laughter is actually releasing things out of me. It was flushing my spirit and my soul from the junk that I was carrying. It was releasing stuff. Come on. And I started realizing I need to start going on a rampage in my life, finding all the things that don't look like royalty in my life and start kicking it out of there. It's not who I am. Start, start realizing things about me that I'm functioning in that don't line up with who God says I am, and I need to come in agreement. I know who I am, and I'm not acting like me right now when I do that thing. I need to flush it down the toilet. And it's not getting in self-pity, self-condemnation. It's more of a get out of my life. You don't belong here. That's not me. So I can align myself with who God already saw me as. Because just like the prodigal son, he wasn't a prodigal son anymore. He was a redeemed son. He put the covering on him. You guys are covered under the blood of Jesus. And so the Lord flushes us of all the junk, all the sins, all the inferior beliefs and thinking about who we think we are. He wants to flush it out of us. He wants to renew our minds. He wants us to start reckoning ourselves the way that God sees us, and He gives us the royal flush. Come on. And He wants to reveal to you things that you function from that don't line up with royalty, with who you actually really are, you know, the you that God knows that you are that you might not have discovered quite yet or haven't chosen to come into agreement with yet. He wants to show you you and then show you the things that you thought were you that actually weren't and flush that stuff out of there. Hallelujah. It's a good word, isn't it? <laughs> Everybody say to God, I'm royalty. I choose to believe 
that to me, I'm royalty. I'm a royal child of the King of Kings. I'm a king and priest to God. The Bible says that, by the way. I'm a royal heir of the kingdom. I'm a joint heir with Jesus Christ. Jesus is my brother. And God is our Father. That's pretty powerful. Reckon yourself. Reckon yourself these things. Don't, you know what, go, wage war against everything that makes it hard for you to believe that. Reckon yourself so much that you get to the point where you can present yourself as such. Reckon yourself the way God reckons you and then present yourself to him because if you can agree with him that you're his royal child who, carry, who wears his robe, carries his ring, and you get to go stand before the throne of Yahweh God, the great glorious one who, who, whose presence is his weighty kabod shekinah glory who rules and reigns this entire universe and seraphims and cherubims bow to him and, and they just go flying if he just moves his arm because they can't stand the power of his presence and that demons get crushed anytime he speaks against them and, and, and he's going to be crushing Satan for eternity one day. And then you come to conclusion, that's your Papa Daddy God. It's your daddy. It's your daddy. Who's your daddy? It's Yahweh. The King of kings and the Lord of lords is your dad. You're his beloved child. What is a child of a king? a prince and a princess. Do we view ourselves as such? Do we view one another as such? Sometimes it's easier for us to have grace on me than thee. <laughs> I can get over my own flaw sometimes easier than the one that somebody else did against me. It's like, you have a lot of work to do in your life. <laughs> so do I. <laughs> but we feel that way sometimes. But God thinks the same thing about them as he's trying to get you to believe about you. They are his royalty. Do we carry ourselves like this? Do we believe ourselves? Do we present ourselves as royalty? Because we actually get to believe it and stand before God, that person on the throne I was just describing. We can stand with confidence before him when we know who we are to him. I need to know who I am to him and then become that to me. You guys all right? I'm going to take the next few minutes and, and read out of Hebrews chapter 4. I don't know if you guys knew it or not, but I wrote a book called Unconditional, Liberated by Love. And it's not a bad book. I recommend it. 
I recommend it. <clears throat> In chapter 13 of that book, it's the, cha- the title is called Striving to Rest Paradox. All right? <clears throat> I'm just going to read you one paragraph. Because Hebrews chapter 4 is talking about a Sabbath rest that God wants to bring us into. And, and it's, not, it's not talking about a Sunday afternoon nap. All right? Even though I like those. It's not a, it's not a Sunday afternoon nap. It's a, it's a status of life. It's a condition. It's a, it's a place to be and live from. Okay? It's a place that you can actually access heaven where God is and live from it and enjoy that life. So here's what I said in the book. What is the Sabbath rest? It is a state of being where we get to peacefully rest from the burdens of life in the fullness of the presence of God and enjoy the abundance of his glorious love in all ways. It is from this place that we learn how to make the earth around us look like heaven through a strength that is not our own. Okay? So, so it's, it's abiding in the, and it's, it's resting in Christ, releasing striving, releasing myself from a burden of feeling like I need to get myself someplace, and instead receiving it through rest in the Holy Spirit and in Christ. Amen? So I want to read a few verses out of Hebrews 4, and I'm going to start with verse 11. It says, therefore, let us be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. Now, previous to this, it was talking about how God promised a rest to his people and that God was actually expecting Moses to deliver the the Israel from Egypt and take them to the promised land. And he actually, if they would have done it his way, they could have entered into a whole spiritual experience that they never even conceived. They had no clue because they never got there. And so this says that they didn't make it because of disobedience. And so uh, Hebrews 3 and 4, it talks about that whole story. And it talks about the disobedience was a lack of belief and hardened hearts. Okay? Everybody say lack of belief and hardened hearts. All right, those were the things that God qualified as disobedience. Okay? So it says, it says lest, we, we need to be diligent to enter that rest lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience because their disobedience made them not enter into that rest. So as it's saying this, let's enter into that rest. It's talking about that description I just gave you where we can just fully enjoy the bliss of God and his goodness and just, in, just rest and receive all of heaven's goodness for me, okay? That's what God wants for you. He, he, he wants that for you. He wants a lifestyle of that for you. Okay? Not moments here and there. A lifestyle. All right? And so you would think that if it's going to say that we should be diligent to enter that rest, that hopefully it's going to give us a description on how to get it. And it continues when it's talking about 
Do everything you can to enter into this blissful rest, right? How do you do it? Well, verse 12. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Oh, God. What does that have to do with rest? That sounds horrific. You're about to fillet me and cut me apart, and, and you're going to see every thought and intention in my heart. That does not sound restful. It sounds horrible because I don't want you to see things that are in there. How can I enter into the fullness of God if you're going to actually look at the things that I've been hiding in me? Okay? But it continues... Oh, by the way, it gets a little worse because it says, and, and there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. So he sees it all. He's wanting you to do everything you can to be diligent, to enter into that blissful rest in Christ. But he's saying, but come, I, I see all the junk that's in you that you're trying to hide. I can see it all. So why don't you stop trying to hide it and just make yourself naked. Like, you just present yourself to me in all the stuff that you've been hiding. Let's just get real with it. I see it. You know it's there. Let's just pre let's not, let's not pretend like it's not anymore. All right? Let's get transparent here. Bring your stuff into the light. And I'm going to hold this sword right in front of you, and I want you to come close to me now. Drive yourself into the sword. That sounds like bliss. <laughs> Come on. Here, walk, walk into my sword. I'm going to give you everything that you've been wanting. Oh, really? Nice. So, so he, he's, he's taking the sword, and it says that the word of God is the sword, and it pierces, okay? And it, it says that it pierces the, to the division of the soul, and the spirit, and the joints, and the marrow. The, the word of God can, can bring a separation of spirit from soul and body. Because a lot of times we're living just this big jumbled mess of all of it, and we don't know what to do with ourselves. But God's actually trying to bring um, discernment, okay? One of the gifts of the spirit is discernment of spirits. It's not just about how to cast demons out of people. He actually wants us to be able to discern, and in this context, with his, with his spoken word, okay? How to separate soul from spirit and body. How many of you guys remember about a million times we've said you're a spirit, soul, and body, okay? And that you are your spirit. That's who you are. That's where your identity is. That's where the finished work of Jesus has already completed its work and created you in the image of God and resurrected you from the dead. But you still have a soul, which is your mind and your will and your emotions, so your thought processes, your emotional processes, which a lot of people generally live from that place, that soulless place. But God actually wants us to live from the Spirit. Okay? And, and then we live in a body. And so, and a lot of times we're actually driven by our body. How do I feel today? How do I, how, what kind of energy do I have? Or, and emotions from the soul and the body work well together. And so it just all blends together. But God actually wants to create a distinction from them 
so that we can know where we're operating from and so I can start identifying with who am I actually? Because this other stuff is lying to me right now about who I think I am. Because I feel like crap today. Therefore, I must be crappy. No, that's actually your soul feeling that way. But maybe the Word of God can come and help you realize where that's coming from so you can identify with who you actually are and not come into agreement with something that's second nature to who you actually really are. Okay? Let's, go, let's get all that out there. I want to bring the Word, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to separate things so you can know where you really need to function from and what you should agree with. And then I discern your thoughts in your heart, of your mind, thoughts of your mind and your heart, and there's nothing hidden. So he's basically saying all that stuff that you're trying to hide from God, like Adam and Eve did with the fig leaves, because they didn't want God to see them in their shame. God actually wanted to meet them right in their mess and love them in it. But they, they hid self-preservation. And that's what a lot of people are doing is self-preservation. Come into my rest. Got my sword. Come closer. Closer. Oh, cl closer. Strip all that stuff off that you're hiding behind. Let's see it all. I want to see the junk. I, I want to see the things that you are functioning from. I want you to own it and be honest, just like the prodigal did, okay? Let's get real with it, but then come close. Come close, because the sword of the Spirit is actually doing something more than you think it is, all right? By the way, let me just say the next couple of verses there. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. Let me, let me anchor myself to God's truth no matter how I'm feeling or what I'm going through right now, okay? Because I know that I have a high priest who is one, it says we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. All right, Jesus never sinned. But he knows what it's like to go through the hardship that put you in that place that you might have shame in. He understands that. He doesn't just understand it. He gets it, and he cares for you. He cares for you. Okay? He cares for you. And he wants you to let him speak his word to you. His truth to you and let it land on your spirit that's separated from your soul. Okay? This doesn't mean that your soul's bad. It means you don't want to derive your belief system from it. Okay? Let God speak to your spirit so he can help you identify with who you are. Because the word of God is a sword. Okay? And in Deuteronomy 30, verse 6, it says, The Lord your God will circumcise your heart. What? Yeah. This is to the women, too. Because it said your heart, not the other thing. <laughs> the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your descendants. What does that mean? It means he's going to cut off the things that don't belong there. 
He's going to remove, he's going he's to do surgery and cut out the things that don't belong there so that you can do the rest of it. Because it says, so that you can love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul that you may live. So he circumcises a heart so he can remove the things that are making you unable to give your all to him. All right? So in this picture in, in Hebrews 4, when, the, when he's inviting you to come into his rest, he's saying, get naked. I already see it. You already know it. Let's stop pretending. Get yourself vulnerable now. Be in the light as I am in the light because that's where the blood of Jesus can flow and bring cleansing. I'm going to speak my word, and it's going to be sharper than a two-edged sword. And it's going to circumcise your heart because I want to fillet your heart and I want to cut off all the junk that you thought was you that I know is not who you are. When I can cut off all the junk, the false identity stuff that you've been believing about you that I never believed about you. I'm going to cut away the things I've disagreed with, who you are. And now you get to agree with me in my disagreement. I'm going to cut that thing off. And I'm going to remove it. I'm going to circumcise it to make you the pure version of who you are to me. Come on. This is good. In other words... Let him speak to you. The Lord wants to affirm you. Let, let God talk to you about your identity. Let him declare over you who you are. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Let me speak to you. you this is my son who he was dead, but now he's alive. He's died to all his sins, but now he's been resurrected, and he's my royal heir, my son. I want to tell the whole world. I celebrate and I dance over my son and sing out to the world. This is the one who I'm proud of. So glad he's with me. Come on. That's who God thinks you are. Put royalty on you. You're my beloved. You look like me. I put my spirit in you. The righteousness that you see on me, I actually have put it into you too. It's yours. I look in the mirror and I look at you and we look very much the same. You're greater than you ever thought you were. You're more powerful than you ever thought you were. You're more free than you thought you were. You have more access than you ever thought you had. God speaks things over you that's way better than you have ever thought to speak over yourself. And so the Lord wants to give us a royal flush. Okay? A royal flush. The Father wants to speak over you who you are to Him. And He wants, you to, he wants to help you to see the parts of you that you thought was you that He says, no, that's not who you are. So He can circumcise your heart. Speak his word and his truth to you and cut away the things that are not in agreement. That's amazing. It's the, it's, the, it's the greatest cardiac surgery a person could ever receive. The circumcision of the heart. Taking away false identity. Come on. There might be behaviors in your life that if you were honest, you'd say that didn't look like Jesus. 
There might be ways that you view a, a brother or a sister or somebody who doesn't even love God. You might view somebody and the Lord will be like, do you think that's what I look like in the movie Chosen? I know somebody out there saying it wasn't a movie, dude, it was a show. <laughs> the Lord wants to circumcise our hearts. He wants to give us the royal flush. And I, I just want to declare over you right now that God sees you as princes and princesses to Him. He is a king of a kingdom. You're part of His kingdom. It's a kingdom because as a king... It's a kingdom because it has princes and princesses. And, and as we often talk, God wants to use us to change this world and to expand his kingdom. How does he do it? With royalty. Who do you think he thinks you are? Better than you think you are. Better than I think I am. I was getting a royal flush today during worship. Seriously. I was like... I know some ways I came to church feeling this morning. I had to, and I didn't even realize it because usually it's subconscious. I'm like, Lord, show me because I don't feel like I'm walking in my strength right now. And he starts showing me ways I was carrying myself or believing and stuff. And I'm like, give me the royal flush, Lord. <laughs> That's not, that wasn't royalty. And it, it started helping me. Come on. I want, I want just a few minutes of your time right now because I want to give you guys an opportunity to, to get a royal flush with God. So we're going to put a, we're going to put a music on real quick. And uh, <clears throat> I just want to give you guys just a, just a few minutes, not, not a real long time. The Lord may do something with you in this time that you should steward more later, but that'll be between you and Him. <clears throat> I want you guys right now, if you could just close your eyes. <clears throat> Envision yourself not as the prodigal son, but as the redeemed son. It's the same person. The father gave his, am I still on this? The father gave his prodigal son a royal flush. I don't know if I'm coming through the speaker or not right now. There it is. The, the father gave his prodigal son a royal flush. He, he, he flushed it all. He washed away all the things that his son was carrying. And he put his robes on him. He put his ring on him. Royal flush. Let's not talk about who you thought you were. Let's not even talk about you being my servant. Let, I, I, need, I need you to know I'm celebrating your sonship. All right? I want you to ask the Father right now, what is he speaking to you? Who, who, do you, who are you to him?
You can just ask, me, ask him that. Who am I to you? Speak to me. Just give him a moment. I believe that if you guys spend time with him soon on your own and ask him that again and just give him more time to continue, I believe he's going to speak some pretty profound things, heart-changing heart things to you. I want to encourage everybody today or as soon as you're able, spend some time with the Father and ask him again, who am I to you? Speak to me. <clears throat> and then I want you to ask him this, and I'm going to give you a moment for it. What, what ways am I behaving or believing that do not match who you believe I am? Ask him, what are you circumcising in my heart? What are you, what are you cutting off with your word sword? What are, you, what are you declaring to me that I am so that you can cut off of me what I'm not? Or he might want to give you the different picture of what does not look like royalty in my life that needs to be flushed down the toilet. Romans 6 says, reckon yourself dead to sin and alive to God. Why don't you ask God right now, 
what can I declare over myself? The thing that he's cutting away or that he's flushing, what can I declare that's gone? I'm dead to that. That's not who I am. I'm flushing it. Whatever you need to say about it to release it, what do you need to declare over yourself in that way so you can reckon yourself? And then, and then in, in place of that, what am I? What? Because I, I, I got to reckon myself alive to God, right? So I'm dead to sin. I'm alive to God. I got to reckon myself. So I'm going to declare over me, that's not mine. That's not who I am. I'm flushing this thing down the toilet. It's not part of me. God's, God, God is, is surgically removing this from me because it's false identity. And just declare it over yourself. And then, and then what would he have you declare that you are with that gone? And then declare it over yourself. give you one more moment. If you guys could stand with me just to close this out. Why don't you guys, why don't you guys repeat this declaration with me? I'm a child of the Most High God. God declares great things to me. He believes in me. He believes I'm great. He's made me great. I'm greater than I think I am. God has a higher view of me than I do. I'm increasing in my self-view. I will continue to look in the mirror and see greatness more and more. Not because of me, but because of Jesus. I'm a royal heir. I'm a child of the King of Kings. And I want to live like it. Help me, God, to grow in this and to live like it. And to honor my other, my brothers and sisters in this way. Amen. Awesome. Why don't we give God a shout or a praise? Or... Hallelujah. Is anybody encouraged? Well, good. That's the goal. All right. I'm going to have Seth come up here to close us out. Love you guys.